Voice of Fintech. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech America series. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'm the founder of Voice of Fintech podcast. In this series, you will hear inspirational stories of entrepreneurs, investors and incumbents and ecosystem hub leaders from the United States or North America and LATAM. This episode is hosted by David Jakubovic from New York. Today's episode of Voice of Fintech discovers directly at the intersection of insurtech and real estate with the CEO and founder of LeaseLock, Derek Merrill. For many of you listeners on the show, you might be renters of properties, you might be owners of properties, and whether you're a consumer or enterprise, today's product, Derek Merrill is going to go deep into LeaseLock and how they're changing the market for InsureTech and real estate. Derek, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having us, David. Well, I'm excited to see where LeaseLock has continued to grow and expand in the markets. I think one thing we've seen throughout the past couple years is that the entire industry is continuing to integrate with technology. So love to hear about your founding story about LeaseLock and what you guys do. Awesome. So my background's been in technology. I actually originated in the ad tech space and uh, built a couple venture-backed companies, eventually acquired by public companies, AT&T being one of those. And this is around 2012. Quickly wanted to change focus. And I, believe it or not, picked insurance as a category. I didn't pick real estate. (laughs) Backed into the real estate side. Put together a small data science team actually in 2012, and a couple engineers and started hacking and building what was to become insurance technology. Ended up getting farmers on a pilot for a product. Didn't really go forward with that, but met my co-founder, Riken, who was trying to solve a problem on the real estate side. He actually got turned down for an apartment in New York City. And I got connected to him through an investor here in Santa Monica, uh, Mucker Labs. And they say, hey, Derek, you've got a, a technical team, and, it, and we know you're looking to crack open the insurance side of the uh, insurance as an industry. Uh, would you be willing to bring in, solve a problem on the real estate side? And I said, wow, $2 trillion industries, highly regulated. We still don't know really what we're going to build and how to go to market. Why not? So as I got talking to Riken, it became very clear that what we were solving for was the transaction for the rental housing market. And I think it's one that is a problem that is so obvious because, and we've all, we all have experienced it and it's fraught with lots of traps, right? Whether it be the way that you're screened and risk is evaluated, the financial instruments, including a deposit, or maybe to the lesser extent, co-signers or guarantors are all mixed up in that lease transaction. And I thought, wow, if insurance could be a part of solving that equation and making a better experience, I want to be a part of it. So I really joined forces with Riken to go and do that. I completely resonate with Riken's story. As someone who lives in New York City, I've had my fair share of renting numerous places across the boroughs. And for anyone from our show who's not from New York City, you will learn that New York City is probably one of the most competitive real estate markets in the world. And that if you don't have all your documents and everything teed up, 
the day of when you're with brokers and, and checking out different real estate, you'll miss out on it and, and you have to check all these boxes or you'll be denied the opportunity to move forward with a real estate property. So this definitely is a real problem. It still exists today and sounds like you're solving that problem. What does the lease lock product look like to help solve around the rental market? Yeah, so we call it zero deposit. And what's cool about it is we're actually solving problems for both sides of the equation, the renter and the property. The renter is onboarded into a zero deposit property and they're paying a small monthly deposit waiver. Now, that might be 20 or 30 bucks a month. It all is dependent on the coverage that the property is prescribed. And I'll go into more about how that coverage is prescribed. It's driven by AI. The net of it is we're giving insurance to the property that covers them for what a deposit would have covered. Because now the resident is gets to move into the property without any upfront. And the property is now protected by a coverage plan direct from lease lock. And we're back to, with reinsurance carriers to provide that protection that as many multiples of the cash they would have collected. So you have on the resident side a win because you create affordability and we're built right into that online lease transaction, fast, simple, and uh, one click. And then on the property side, you get better protection against risks of uh, loss and, and damage and rent, which was what the purpose of a deposit was for in the first place. I think this is definitely one of the biggest uh, barriers to entry when the new working class are looking at moving into major metropolitan cities. And of course, we've seen how big cities like San Francisco and New York, although they've been impacted by the pandemic, everyone is flocking back to the cities. We have not seen such a hot real estate market in New York since going back, I'd say 2015. Right now, properties are just getting picked up left and right. And you have a lot of different people who would need to use the lease lock product. I can think namely to even students who go to universities like NYU, Columbia, or even in San Francisco to Berkeley and, and other universities. Do you think now is a great opportunity for not only renters, but also owners to get involved with the lease lock platform? The beautiful thing is this is a mass market product because if you look at all spectrums of the, the housing market, you can ask one question. Did anybody want to pay a deposit of any sort? Did anyone want to include a guarantor or a co-signer in the transaction? And the answer is no. And there's about 50 million apartment doors, whether it be multifamily or single family rentals, I should say, uh, in America. And I think if you knocked on every single one of those doors, you would get back that same answer. So we really view this as a mass market product as it's pretty obvious. And I think we've seen over the years how uh, the economy is definitely a renter's economy. And so it sounds like lease lock is going to pave that way for more access for renters to choose their dream property and to be able to enjoy where they want to live with that access. I think there's a lot of uh, people traditionally who would also get barred from being able to pick the properties they want for different socioeconomic reasons. So lease lock is going to help with that accessibility. Beyond thinking about business accessibility, let's talk about the technology changes. Derek, you mentioned that the real estate and insurance industry normally have not come together with tech automation and tech transformation. Why do you see the changes pivotal today? Data, to sum it up in one word, 
And the beautiful thing about our approach to this market, and it really is a giant separation from any prior solution that has come along. And, and we, 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 the, the biggest pain is trying to educate our market that we are so different and we're data advantaged and we don't, we aren't one of the kind of old incumbent solutions that are typically in the format of a surety bond. We've invented something wholly new and it's called lease insurance. And what powers it is the ability for us to access, when we did all the integrations to the multifamily software systems, we talked to our engineers and they were like, do you guys realize how much data is stored and made available to us? This is equivalent of the living history of every of resident ledgers at a particular property. So when you think about that treasure trove of data and the things you can do with that, we started to, the wheel started turning for us. And we say, what if we could unlock that data store? And what if we could underwrite entire communities? And every community looks a little bit different. And, and then we could go base coverage because uh, we could quantify the risk based on all that data. And we could more elegantly apply this solution. And that's something that we're the first to market to, to be able to do and take that approach relative to other prior solutions. And as we look at the market, this is definitely a large total market, not only in the United States, but globally with security deposits. You've come so boldly to say that security deposits are done. What do you think about looking at the industry long term? Will security deposits go away overnight? Or you think this is a transformation that... Uh, is here to stay. I love that you brought that up, David, because my sales team, particularly my CRO, he he gets uncomfortable when I make that statement because he's the one living in the in the daily conversations with multifamily, and multifamily, and you, you could point to other industries. Not they're slower moving, and and real estate at large has been slower moving. I, you can see that now. Technology is really starting to reach its tentacles there. So I think we're definitely moving in the right direction. And I think pace is accelerating, but uh, we're putting a flag in, in the sand and we are saying what, where we believe we're going to land at right in the future. And for that statement I made earlier, that nobody is fighting for deposits on either side, right? Nobody wants to cough up the dollars. They might not have it. And the pandemic showed big stresses there from a cash perspective on America. So the, the consumer never wanted it. And the it was really inadequate protection for the property. And so again, you don't really have anyone fighting for this $50 billion that has been locked up and stored as a very inefficient financial instrument that's been so core to the financial lease transaction. And we're here saying, we just don't think that should be there anymore. And um, I, I think it's just a matter of time. I think it's brilliant to see how other parts of the real estate market and insurance market have blended together for that disruption in the last few years. I think one of the most notable examples that is now a publicly traded company is Lemonade, where a lot of different renters can put rental insurance protection that used to require so much paperwork and was done offline with insurance agents and could take weeks to set up and now can be completed simply with a quick application on the phone or through the web browser. 
And it sounds that the work that Lemonade's done with educating the consumers from an insurance perspective has also perhaps paved the way for other products like LeaseLock to continue riding technology transformation in the real estate industry. Yeah, I think that the first crop of, and you can see the the companies going to market publicly have been real consumer oriented and are disrupting a direct to consumer as a channel and um, able to build these brands and leverage kind of data advantage perhaps. And I think what's different about what we're doing is, and I think you're going to see the next crop of companies coming behind it is real B2B. Because if our approach is we go sell to the enterprise and then we deploy through the checkout. So there is really no consumer marketing or acquisition we need to do. And that's what's very elegant about our approach to the market. It's just something that should exist in that online checkout. And it's something that already we can see when these properties are advertised as zero deposit on apartments.com, for example, a flood of leads come to these properties. It's a marketing advantage. And so then when you're just going through that, because again, everything's online, you're touring, you're going through that checkout online, you're executing your lease. We're just built right into that. And that's what separates us really from a lot of the prior solutions is they there's a separate experience outside of that native online checkout that consumers have to go through, run credit, and somehow pair that back into the online lease transaction. And that's, and that's something, a strategy that's working very well for us. It's uh, building a seamless checkout experience is what I'm hearing. I've seen in the last couple of years with different products as a consumer to use Affirm or Klarna for these uh, fractionalized payments. At the end of the day, Affirm doesn't sign a contract with me. Affirm signs the contract with these B2B businesses to enable that process. And it sounds like that is the area that you're working on with different multifamily owners, different institutions to, uh, to bridge that gap for both the businesses and the consumers. Yeah, it's a fundamental, and sometimes we live a little bit, we live into the future and I sometimes get in trouble because I'm sometimes, I live in a utopian world of where I think it should be. And that's, we just fundamentally don't think deposit should be in the checkout equation at all. And if you probably ask the younger generation, would they even want a choice, right? Between the two, that you would probably get back something right, that might surprise you is that they probably just want it to be fast, simple, and affordable. And so just build in that, build that into the experience. And I think the fallacy is, and the operators, yeah, multifamily operators, sometimes they've been so accustomed to doing something for so long, they think that renters want a choice between this or that. And the answer is mm, not the future. The future just wants it instant gratification they want it on demand and they want to make it affordable. And every financial technology and even just products and service at large, anything on demand, that's really where they're winning the uh, business because the modern consumer wants those things. And so we're just, our philosophy is designing to what we believe are the demands of the modern consumer, not being tied to the old ways of doing business. Yeah, what I hear here is that instead of having the checkbox that you actually have to check as the consumer, 
like let's make it as frictionless as possible. So hypothetically, instead of a one bedroom apartment costing, let's say $1,470 a month, it might cost $1,500 and be all baked in so the consumer has that frictionless experience. That's right. And this goes back to the AI. So we are able to, when we add a property, and these multifamily communities are, call them 300 doors or units, we're able to go underwrite the living history of everybody who's passed through that building. That could be five years of data, could be 10 years, depending on the age of the property. And what we're able to do is just underwrite the basket of risk. And then we're able to go apply, based on the data, the optimal coverage. And it coverage reflects the price that we will go and install as the deposit waiver fee on every unit. And it's built right into the checkout. It's separated and itemized along with rent. We have a different couple different configurations depend on, depending on the regulation state by state. But that's it. That's really what we're delivering. We're delivering this, this fast, simple, instant checkout and getting rid of that deposit that really prevented access to housing. And it's funky because some of the laws were written in certain ways. They never could have contemplated a solution like ours. And so in certain states, you got to go in and you got to work with the legislators to say, hey, there's this innovation. It's called lease lock. And it's doing all the things you design legislation you want to do, aka provide access to housing. Let us write this so that it accommodates for new innovation. And this is standard practice with all new innovations. Uber, Airbnb had to go through some of these educations. And we're finding lawmakers receptive once we can sit at the table and educate them. And so thinking of global iconic companies today, like Uber and Airbnb, they have these global missions for their audience, their consumers, and the businesses. Can you tell us more about the mission for LeaseLock? I think what really separates us, and I think even our industry might not know it, and the world is, we're really ambitious at LeaseLock, and uh, we think we're playing at the intersection of two giant giant industries that are colliding and a ton of values created from that collision. And that's right, the world of insurance and more broadly financial, the financial world and real estate. And when you look at what our core competencies are around our engineering team and ability to be really good around these software systems that power real estate in the enterprise level. And then you think about our core competency around data and the flow of data through these brick and mortar properties, we have something special. And so I think that, yes, we have entered the market going after this, solving this really high pain point thing called a deposit and are doing it in, in, in such an elegant way powered by data. But I think when you look at what does LeaseLock want to be when it grows up and what's our big vision is I think we have the opportunity to be Stripe for real estate. And you think about our competency there and how this can, we can go leverage the data and really build further applications on top of this platform. The opportunity is so tremendous. As I'm hearing this, I can definitely think that you're just getting started today. I know, Derek, that LeaseLock is venture-backed. You're continuing to scale up in the United States. Can you tell us a little bit about the technology? What does some of the future look like for LeaseLock? It is heavily powered by AI. 
And, and what I mean by that is we have AI is only as good as the data sets you, you have to work with. And so when we, because of the availability and the scale of data we have, we've uh, made a deliberate effort to go and invest in building out a data science team that really is, right, if you think about us as an insure tech today, we don't have a room full of actuaries. We have a room full of data scientists. And what we're doing is we're building uh, risk modeling that is taking all this data and you can look at, think about the resident ledgers down to the line item of how are people paying rent and the behaviors there, the living history. What is the delinquency? When do they pay rent? When they move out, how much rent do they leave owing? How much damage? When you leave damage, what type of damage is it? Carpet, windows, blinds, right? Line item. Some of that is very fuzzy as far as the how it's labeled and annotated, believe it or not, in these legacy systems. So we're getting really good at creating structure around that and then building models that are running millions of simulations on applying different coverages across all that data to come up with the optimal coverage plan because every property has different characteristics based on the living history. And we're even uh, applying third-party data sets like US Census data. Princeton has an, a think tank where they uh, released Princeton Eviction Labs open source data that we actually take in as a data source. And so that's really where our core IP is. It really is in that the AI that's allowing us to power that underwriting and, and power the product. It resonated so much what you share with me about actuaries. I started my career actually working for Aflac in their actuarial division, doing loss experience uh, monitoring. And it's amazing to see how in just the last 10 years, how far technology has come. In 2010, the phrase data science was not being used that much. And today it's as common as software engineering. In fact, it's essential for the entire toolkit and toolbox that engineers use to build product. So um, hearing about what you've built and where your company's going, if, what are some of the product enhancements or new features that multifamily owners and or the consumers can look to see in the coming years? I love that question. That question makes me really happy. I'm a product guy and my North Star is simple. How can you continually remove features and remove friction from a product? Because the end consumer of your product, whether that be an enterprise consumer or a, right, a consumer, right, they just want to feel happy. <laughs> they want to feel good. They don't really, there should be no pride in ownership. Does your product deliver what it's supposed to do? And people want to move on with their business of going about enjoying life. So I take that approach. And... The cool part about this AI and this advantage is we're able to start now what I call hollowing out our policy. And before you had a policy, right, from an insurance perspective, remember, actuaries will write in a lot of letters of law that are supposed to go protect against losses. What that may cause is friction from an operational perspective when you start stitching this into the multifamily standard operating procedures. So what LeaseLock is doing is we're starting to, as, as we go through these innovation cycles, we can start to go strip out a lot of those things that are very hard to get wired in and just cause friction for our customers. 
And you could think about this on a claims perspective, things like deadlines, exclusions, documentation, right? Like pictures, those are all create a lot of friction. And so what we're going to do is rely on math and figure out how to statistically, leveraging the AI, deliver the right sustainability in terms of the right coverage and the right price points based on what's needed at that property. And that really should be the modern way is leverage math to go strip out a lot of the mechanical things that cause friction on the user experience. And so thinking not only about the technology and the business that we've spoken to today, what do you see as next steps or actions that our listeners on Voice of Fintech should be thinking about, Derek? Well, I know our next steps is we're on a mission to go destroy $50 billion in deposits. We're barely just scratching the surface of homes on our platform. And we've got, the cool part about it is we've got contracts that represent north of uh, a million and a half apartment homes that we're rolling out today. And if you think about that's just over, that's just a couple points across the 50 million apartment homes in just the U.S. alone. I know for us, we're really dead focused on that, but we're also getting really excited about some of the other things we are, other risk applications or fintech applications we want to apply on our platform. I'm looking forward to seeing some of these new or less product features that'll be getting part of uh, LeaseLock in the future and continuing to see more apartments when I continue my search in New York City for my next apartment to see an apartment that has LeaseLock enabled, or perhaps I won't even know it because it'll be behind the scenes. You might not even know it. Yeah. And that's the cool part about it is it'll just be that one-click experience. And I, that's what I really love about the elegance of our product. It's solving a problem and we're doing it through software. Derek Merrill, the CEO and founder of LeaseLock. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. This was fun, David. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.